Hi guys, welcome to Jules and Phoebe, the bi-weekly pop culture and social commentary podcast brought to you by yours truly, Jules and Phoebe. So, how you been? I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, I've been, I've been well. What we're going to do guys is start the podcast with like a sharing of caring, mm-hmm. affection. So just sort of let you know what we've been up to. Do you want to share anything that you've been up to this week, Phoebe? Yes, yeah, so Charles and I went away this weekend. We were up in Wales. We had gotten a voucher as one of our wedding presents. And it was basically these boutique hotels anywhere. But I just felt, you know, sometimes when you go on a weekend away and the hassle of getting to the airport and whatever, all of it, I just hate it. The airport takes the goodness out of all of that for me. So we went to Wales and we spent the weekend there. It's a bit like you were saying about your weekend away on our last episode, that it was just so nice to be in nature and we just didn't do very much of anything. We had no one to please, no one to to be there for, or do anything for. Just did a really long hike on the Sunday and just ate good food and slept. Why so why Wales? Charles spent a lot of his summers there growing up. So it's this place that's special to him, which I had never been to before. Nice. And so I just thought, you know, I love being by the sea. I grew up spending a lot of time by the sea in Ireland. And so I love anything like that, anything kind of coastal, a bit rough and ready. And actually it was gorgeous. And one thing as well was just incredible. The food was so good. Is it Welsh food or just the quality of the produce is so good? Great question. I don't know what Welsh food would be. So I don't think so because there was quite a lot of terrine and pate on my part, okay. um, which I believe are quite inherently French. Um, but I had a lot of Welsh lamb, which was really good as well. So yeah, it was just that everything was locally sourced and really, really fresh. And yeah, it was just so nice. Not to sound so boring, but you know, when it's just like, there's no activities planned. It's literally mm. just going away, reading some good books and watching whatever a Netflix series that you've been meaning to catch up on or something and just fully decompressing. So that was really, really nice. And I feel like that's the main thing that I've been doing. That was the main thing that I've been looking forward to for so long. And now there's no annual leave left for the rest of the year. So Oh, wow. So you're not going away for Christmas? (laughs) We are going away for Christmas, but we're using... I'm basically traveling up to Manchester to my husband's family on Christmas Eve. And we'll probably have to come back on like the 26th, 27th to be back in London. So doing it kind of a fairly quick turnaround but i do have to say i love london at christmas time because i feel like it's so quiet so beautiful no it's true you can actually like enjoy the lights Mm -hmm. um but speaking of netflix tell me i did watch fleabag oh yes what did you think i watched season one Mm -hmm. it was okay really it was okay okay i I wondered whether it would be it's funny i mean it's Mm -hmm. definitely a funny show but it reminds me a bit of girls I did not like girls. So, so I, I didn't like girls either, but it reminds me of girls in the yeah. sense of it's really made for like a white feminist audience. I was going, so, I thought that during the week, was it, yeah. would it resonate in the same way or was it because I am a white feminist? But I was like, <laughs> oh wow, it's it's like a whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think that definitely plays a part. Right. Because it's, you watch it and you're like, yeah, this is fun, but you feel like you're on the outside looking in. Mm-hmm. You don't actually feel like... That it's about you, kind of. But not even about you. It's like, not even... <laughs> I don't even know. You're so underwhelmed. It's like, I don't even have um, the vocabulary. The thing is, I, I definitely wasn't underwhelmed because I, I watched the whole season. Mm-hmm. And so I'm probably going to watch season two. But in terms of people feeling like, oh, this is the best show. I mean, people really, really love this show. Mm -hmm. And so I think the fact that I'm not a white feminist Mm -hmm. created some distance between me and all the fun and enjoyment (laughs) that people are having watching this show. So it was good, but it was like just being on the outside looking in basically. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, this is the best show for me. Would you say that there's an aspect of that that it's quite cringy humour? Because that's something that I think can be so funny. But some people are like, this isn't funny. It's just embarrassing. No, I quite like the cringy humor. Oh, right, okay. I think the humor is really good. So that definitely is probably what kept me engaged. Mm-hmm. But overall, not totally I mean, sure. no, but if you ask her, I'm not her target audience. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> If you ask her, I don't think she like <laughs> gives a shit. <laughs> but you did like Killing Eve. I liked Killing Eve. Killing Eve is, is a different type of show. Mm. Do you think it makes a difference that 
a BAME. Oh my God, please don't use that term. Really? Yeah. What, is that not a good term? You should explain the term. Well, it's black minority <laughs> ethnic. Yeah, so it's so well, funny because it's always that. people who are not BAME that use the term. And right. like BAME people always, people categorized as BAME, mm-hmm. always cringe at so that what, term. what is the term then? I or think is there a, a term, term that works is person of color works. Okay. Because I know equally that some that is, pe- people who would fall then under the person of color banner maybe, don't particularly like that one. But it's more general because mm-hmm. I don't, I've never heard, I've never seen a person from a BAME background use that term. Right. Okay. Never. Ever. I mean. Never. It's always like in a report they just use BAME. So it's like what? just a box that was created by like people who do statistics and reports okay. but you it's super rare like i've never heard a bame person use the word bame but i have heard people of color use the term yes person of color woman of color yeah yeah, yeah. Like and uh, obviously so I'm that's f- probably now the 20 well. the 21st okay. <laughs> century term <laughs> that no that's so interesting to me because obviously from my perspective i'm just it's kind of like one of those things where you're trying to make sure that your own use of language is inclusive um yeah. And you're only going to know, I guess maybe it could be a more of an ad hoc thing. It's like, you're only like going to know, yeah. Conversations yeah it, where it's, it's that type of thing. You're only going to know when you say it and then somebody's like, ah, oh, not really feeling that term, <laughs> never heard it used. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, baby super awkward. I don't think so because in terms of if you talk about Killing Eve, I don't think it's because Sandra O oh is one of the key characters in it because mm. there are loads of things that you watch where the cast is homogenous yeah but like you can like relate to the themes like i'm not a flea bag i don't live the same lifestyle as her yeah, yeah i can't yeah. i couldn't personally really like relate just in terms of like me mm-hmm. so i think that was probably like the main thing and then when you think about the construction of the show it really is this kind of like white feminist narrative and it's mm-hmm. really unique because i don't think there's anything on tv like it now so that's super interesting. But like when I watched it, I did feel like just somebody on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> and when I got to the end of season one, I was like, wow, she really is a flea bag. Yeah. And I hadn't caught on to that. I don't want to give it away, but I hadn't caught on to what she had done to Bo. Yeah. That really, that really killed me because I think as well on a kind of on a broader spectrum, it's rare to have female characters that are just unlikable. Yeah. That, that it's kind of, you know, that you're not supposed to be finding some redeeming quality in them or that, you know, the the badness in them isn't big a part of a character arc where it's like, and then she'll fall in love and her edges will soften. And, <laughs> you know, this kind yeah. of... She's um, trash, like, from season one to, like, the, <laughs> the, the last episode. And so, and I guess there are people who can relate to that, like, just being so self-centered and i guess it is freeing to see a woman just be like so self-centered be a a sex addict Mm -hmm. be sort of just i don't know she's pleasing herself yeah so for me it was like i didn't catch on to that whole thing about Bo, and then my husband had he was like oh yeah i knew that (laughs) he stopped watching like episode three and then when i told him the end i was like oh my god i'm so shocked he goes oh no no i knew (laughs) Like really the, yeah he oh caught on to it um, i'm so envious of people oh like yeah that. but he's he knows what's happening in, in shows do you know what there's a thing about good writing whether it be television or film or or literature that good writing means that your reader or watcher or consumer whatever should be actually able to guess what's going to happen mm. like twists that are absolute hairpin bends that you're going oh my god he's dead the whole time aren't actually indicative necessarily of good writing it's not a failing if your your reader can see where things are going however i as a consumer of that need to be spoon-fed things so i was shocked much. i was like oh my god <laughs> but it was such a twist for me that i was like okay i'm gonna see i'm gonna watch the next season mm-hmm. so no it's definitely a good show it's well written the cut i mean the acting's amazing yes um really really strong cast so definitely give fleabag its props but in it, terms of <laughs> it's just yeah it, which is fair it literally reminded me of girls in the sense of quite a specific target audience mm-hmm. so yeah but what i did watch this week that i found really really interesting i've been quite consumed by it is a new joker movie oh right yes the one with joaquin phoenix yeah the one with joaquin phoenix so it's so, so there were four of us 
okay. who went to go and watch this movie and like we all had really different reactions to it oh, really? so everybody was triggered but like to different degrees i mean if you haven't watched this movie and you do want to watch the movie i suggest that you forward on about 10 minutes of the of the podcast because there might spoilers be spoilers ahead yeah there might be some spoilers in it but basically one of the underlying themes of this uh new joker just, film just is mental interject. health sorry i was just gonna say so this is the origin film of the joker the batman villain this is like his it's how a backstory he, yeah. yeah yeah okay cool so how he came to be there's no mention of kind of batman or anything like that in it he is just in and of himself at this point there's a mention of okay. like the wayne family and right. stuff like that but it's basically a bit a backstory okay cool and so one of the big themes is mental health you're in a situation where the city is like to use donald trump's phrase a shithole right okay. so there's a lot of murder crime poverty and so it's set in new york and like everything is like completely going to hell mm-hmm. right but then you also also have like wayne enterprises right mm-hmm. so you've got thomas wayne who's like a billionaire in mm-hmm. and there's all this destruction right. and then you've got the joker character arthur who's like a loner lives with his mm-hmm. mom social kind of pariah reject okay. no he's a nice guy right who's just a bit of a reject okay who just like lives with his mom and has some mental health issues right right and then he's going to see a counselor and the funding gets pulled oh so it's all like austerity right so funding gets pulled interesting he can't get his meds anymore and so you see with every knock he's taking he's taking so many knocks like losing his job all these issues yeah and i guess it must be interesting because ultimately when you go and see the joker film you know what the end result is he's becoming the joker it's just the idea he's going to become a villain yeah you're just getting to see as you said those knocks uh yeah then he starts killing people oh god okay (laughs) right so then you know people start dying sorry not for i'm like oh murdered fabulous no but americans Um, are really angry about this because mm -hmm obviously you know he goes on a bit of a killing spree right and then it's like oh people are saying oh the violence people feel like it's kind of a justification of like you know these mass killers yeah of course the inevitableness that's not a word but of white supremacy kind of mass terrorism shootings yeah so people are really taking it in different ways uh, mm-hmm. the u.s audience people are really mad walking out of the movie saying it's very violent saying it's like you know justifying like mass killings or like shootings because you have people that kind of empathize with the character yeah of course well i guess it's a just off the back of that i guess there's a couple of things there because there was that mass shooting that took place in a cinema during the second mm. batman film of christopher nolan's trilogy which had the joker in it yeah so i guess that that's one aspect but i do also think and i hold my hands up i haven't seen the film at this point but when white terrorism happens particularly in the united states it is often mental health gets trotted out as an excuse as a kind of coverall for the justification of those murders so do you think that that's an aspect of it so yes i guess when it the killer is uh, white people say oh mental health mm-hmm. when the killer is arab or from another background it's like they're just a sick twisted person yeah, yeah, just so those evil. are the narratives in the media i think the challenge you have is that when it comes to mental health if you are somebody that has mental health issues you're actually more likely to be a victim of yes. violence than to be a perpetuator of violence mm-hmm. right so you've kind of got to take it all with a pinch of salt but for me i feel like this is so relevant for today in a sense of redistribution of wealth to the top Mm -hmm. right even if you look at batman why do you have a billionaire in (laughs) a crime-ridden awful city yeah like and those are things that we never questioned right Mm -hmm. so wayne enterprise is killing it going into politics all of that right but then everybody else is getting poorer and poorer and life's getting more awful yeah you know and then one of the nurse so the lady the counselor that he goes to is a black lady and then when the funding gets cut she said you know what they don't care about people like you and they don't care about people like me right so somebody i was speaking to she was saying to me that she really found the joker movie absolutely awful she felt like it was a nod to the old right it's a very provocative Mm -hmm. movie right right and obviously that there are going to be some people who are ready to have the conversations that spiral off that and then there are some people who are just going to be like oh it's a film whatever it's about a comic book villain so it's too deep if you watch the movie it's too Mm -hmm. deep like no, it, my... it just feels so not like I went in there expecting some comic book stuff and that's yes, why I was yeah. really knocked off my feet because the movie is like really really deep and I think it is great because it does encourage us to have 
uh, conversation for me the big thing was like was class yeah. and the big thing was mental health mm. you know and that's the thing i think sometimes that mental health is the real equalizer when i say the equalizer i mean that it can affect people indiscriminately but you're mm. absolutely right the effect of it is the great equalizer but once it comes to that point how you're able to navigate it and how you're able to deal with it is hugely different not only from a class perspective but from a stigma perspective as well there are going to be some cultures where you simply just don't talk about that it's also a real gender split as well where you know this kind of toxic masculinity idea of not being able to speak about mental health and it's actually it's particularly fitting that you would have seen that film and opened up the discussion around this for us when World Mental Health Day actually took place over the past week. Because you're right, once you have then been diagnosed or even receiving that diagnosis, really depends on your, your circumstances. It really depends on your personal circumstances. And I think for me, I felt so much empathy towards the character because when you think about mental health, that is debilitating. Mm -hmm. Because obviously everybody's mental, you know, we can all have mental health issues to varying degrees. But once it gets to the point where it's debilitating, the whole theme in the in the movie was about being invisible. Right. It was about people just walking over you. It was about just having like no self-worth and like not feeling like you mattered. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was like... Yeah, I'm not surprised he's going to go kill some people <laughs> because it's, for me, it was so, I'm quite extrovert, right? Mm -hmm. And being in a situation where like, I don't matter at all and like nobody wants to engage with me and nobody's bothered with me, like <laughs> it's really like a fear of mine. Right. That's interesting. And and just as human beings in general, we need to feel connected to something that's yeah, just absolutely. natural as, as human beings. And we need to feel that to varying degrees. But to be in a situation where you are like nothing mm -hmm. it's interesting it's gonna affect you i feel like that ties back to what you were saying towards the end of our last episode with regards to with the right people around you you can do anything and all he probably needed Ooh, were, someone one person yeah absolutely oh gosh that movie was so <laughs> stressful that movie was so stressful you know what if you've watched it reach out to us on instagram and we'll put the information in the description of the podcast because i'm interested in other people's perspectives on this mm. that movie was so so triggering but also a big thing about the movie right was just i think the reason why it would make some people uncomfortable is because they maybe see themselves in some of the dodgy characters right okay and one of the themes i guess is like just being complicit mm -hmm. right so at the end of the movie bruce wayne not okay. Bruce Wayne, sorry, a uh, Thomas Wayne, who's okay. Bruce Wayne, yeah. Batman's dad, is killed, and the and the mum and the wife is killed as well. Yes, right, right. which and is obviously Batman's origin story. Then, so it exactly, feels yeah. But then, you know, that. big part of it, like the wife, the wife's gunned down as well because she's complicit. If you see really sort of terrible, awful things happening or people being treated badly, and like you don't say anything, you're complicit. Yeah, not to get super super heavy super quickly here, but. It is so true. You are one accident away from a welfare state. And I do think that some people, you know, the way they, they vote and the way they, they act, they don't necessarily take that into account. And I'm so sorry, that's a complete tangent from what you're talking about there. But I did just want to, because it is so true when we're talking about making the difference and the kind of the small impact that you can make. It starts with, you know, recycling one thing or my own personal one that I really need to work on is stop using cotton pads. That's a real <laughs> thing for me. And, you know, it, I think it all seems insurmountable until you take that first step into actually thinking about what your future is going to look like, what the future for your children, or if you're not having children, your nieces and nephews, whatever, what kind of world that they're going to inherit. But that is a, a quick tangent. And I'm, that surely is another podcast episode <laughs> in and of itself. Um, but speaking of podcasts, right? Mm -hmm. So this is our second episode. Thank you to everybody that listened to episode one. Thank you so much. We're so grateful for all the positive feedback that we've yeah. received, some of the constructive criticism mm -hmm. or feedback that we've received as well. Like we're so, we're really grateful for it. The fact that you would take the time to sort of listen and engage with us is Absolutely. very cool. I personally, and I'm sure it was the same for you, but I was really blown away by the amount of people who, who got in touch, but also just took the time out of their day to listen and you know we were looking at the the stats on our side and people listening from obviously the UK and Ireland which is <laughs> incredible UKI <laughs> <laughs> but also 
America and Spain and Cote d'Ivoire and Nigeria and just honestly thank you so much because it was an hour out of your day and also it was us kind of finding our feet with this as we will continue to do so but it really moved me and I pose this as a question to you Juliet but I was surprised at some of the people who did get in touch because you kind of think wow you went out of your way you're not even part of my close group of friends that I speak to every day you're just really cool and you're messaging to say wow I've I've seen that you've done a podcast or I'm halfway through listening I'm in Australia I've listened to the first half can't wait to listen to the second half and it was really really thoughtful and you know again I'm tying things back to the comment that you made towards the end of our last episode but it makes you appreciative of the people who are really happy to to cheerlead your successes for you. Yeah, I think that that's a good sort of reviewing our first episode and the responses that we've received from the first episode is a really good kind of like segue into what we mentioned last week about sort of finding your tribe and like mm-hmm. us being interested in building a community around our podcast. And so it is really interesting whenever you start things obviously the initial support like you're hoping it does come from like really close friends and like and family and what is great about starting something like a podcast is that you know people that you're not necessarily as close to Mm -hmm. reach out to you and still encourage you and support you yes and one of the journeys that i've been on over the last year is really just trying to understand like what my values are Mm-hmm. and trying to find my tribe as a person because I realized I had a lot of friends inverted commas but I didn't necessarily have people that would support me in a meaningful way mm-hmm. and if we sort of use the podcast as an example support in a meaningful way would mean like listening to the podcast yes. sharing the podcast maybe reaching out to say like oh well done the people who shared the people who are putting that up on their stories or being like you've got to listen to this commenting underneath like wow that is so generous of you. There's there's no other word for it. It's really kind of, it's so thoughtful. And yeah, it, it's just such a, a kind thing to do because you're not looking for anything in return there. You're literally just being like, here are two people I know who have tried something new. I saw something on Instagram that was interesting. And Oprah was saying how, you know, you're responsible for your, your energy, but you're also responsible for the energy that you let around you. Yeah. And so if you're in a situation, and I've been in, in this situation myself because I'm somebody whose default mode is to give. Mm-hmm. And so if I, I was constantly putting myself in situations where I would be like, so giving, so giving, so giving and supportive of other people's projects. And then when it came to like my project or if I ever needed advice or needed a referral for a job, you know, the people that I was pouring crickets. into were not. Yeah, crickets, basically. What I wanted to sort of discuss with you, Phoebe, were, you know, is how you've found like your tribe. Do you yeah. have a tribe? I No, I <laughs> definitely have a tribe. A tribe, And you know, what? I'm really... I I used to use this word a lot and my friends would make fun of me, but I am really, really blessed because I have a a group of five best girlfriends, but then I have a lot of other very close girlfriends as well who are just kind of unequivocal cheerleaders for want of a less trite term. But I do think that it becomes this kind of thing where if you are very fortunate, you get to grow in tandem and you get to keep friends from primary school or secondary school and you know the the your different interests or your different kind of focuses and areas in life get to adapt in the same way so suddenly it's not the case of you know some of my best girlfriends have been there when I've been crying over kissing someone I didn't want to kiss last night because I drank too much or whatever kind of frivolous problems I had when I was in uni or when I was in secondary school and I've been so fortunate that then as women they've grown with me and now the conversations that we have are more maybe adult in theme but the core support is still very much so there Um, and it's not a given it's not a given at all that that would happen and it's it's a privilege to have friends like that when i talk think about like finding my tribe i feel that people are if you you're crying over a guy or you've got like something negative going on in your life i think it's easier to find people to rally behind you that is actually such a good point yes that's very true yeah i think the challenge does come when you are trying to kind of change your mindset and Mm -hmm. grow outside of what has been the norm this is where the friction and the challenges can arise, right? So if if we're all doing the same thing that we used to do, you know, that's completely fine. But I mm-hmm. found that I had to really take some time out 
and kind of change my mindset. And one of the things I had to really focus on was reciprocity. Yeah. Right. And pouring into people who, as a, they value reciprocity. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And now that I'm in a position where I can't just make myself available all the time, I just don't want to. Yeah. You know, and if I if I acknowledge that this relationship is not reciprocal, I kind of take a step back. Mm-hmm. This can create conflict. To carry on with that example that you've just used there when you take a step back from something that you see is not reciprocal the people who are not reciprocating can often see that as you've changed (laughs) and it's it's interesting when you think well i probably have but all i'm trying to do is make sure that this is a bit more of a 50 50 situation and the fact that you've seen that change as a negative thing as opposed to being like actually let me initiate meeting up let me call them first for a change or whatever Instead, you've interpreted that as a kind of a call to arms or a, you're ending this friendship. Oh, friendships for me have ended. Mm. I've definitely lost a few friends over the last year. And well, it's tough as well because, again, going off the back of what you're saying there, you kind of have to look out for who is cheering when you're winning. And the people who are genuinely thrilled when things are going well for you are the people you actually want to keep around. We definitely you need people around you that are going to cheer for you when you're winning mm-hmm. and support you when things are not great, right? Yeah. But also you just need people around who share your values, right? So mm-hmm. as somebody that gives, I can't have people around me that just take, 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 take. Yeah, 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 of course. Right? And it's interesting, we look back to like weddings, right? Mm-hmm. So when I was, I was looking at people that, you know, and we didn't have a, the biggest wedding, right? So we really had to kind of justify everybody that we invited. Yeah. And, you know, there were people who expected to come to my wedding. Right. Um, who had not even invited me for coffee in the last 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I hear you're going to be in Paris. Like, what's People going on? who <laughs> do not have my phone number. Wow. Right? Because I, okay. I did change my number a couple of years ago. Don't have my phone number. And then reach out to me on Facebook. And like, oh, I didn't know you were getting married. Wow. Right? So things can be so warped. Because mm-hmm. if you're somebody that is like always present yeah for for people and also just to say on that some people are gonna might be listening to this and thinking well i suppose i'm not always present listen you know no but i'm giving you 10 years i'm giving you 10 years i'm not even saying like in the last year you haven't been present let's talk about 10 years you know if you are a good friend yeah and you know in your heart if what you're giving is worthy do you know what i mean you know that if you're giving your 50 percent, and you also know if what you're getting is not reciprocal you know it yourself and so if someone's listening to this and being like wow god it sounds like juliet is everyone's emergency contact and so (laughs) my particular situation i i suppose i might have missed a call here and there if you don't feel like you're being treated well by a friend I, I don't know if this is a huge sweeping generalization to make, but you're probably right. Yeah, you, if you're not being treated well by a friend, one, you're probably right, but two, you have to look at yourself, mm-hmm. right? So I had to look at myself and say, how come I have this this friendship that's not equitable? Yeah. How come I'm actually friends with this person who's a narcissist and like really rude mm-hmm. and like quite awful? Yeah what is going on here? Like I had to really look at myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think one of the things I wasn't doing well, and my husband really helped me with this is that, you know, I didn't have those boundaries right, in right, place right. anyway. I didn't have a boundary that was like, I've done something nice for you and I expect you to do something nice for me. Mm-hmm. I've been considerate of your time. I've been supportive of you yeah. and I expect you to be considerate and supportive of me. I just kind of like, operated just like in my feelings if i wanted to do to do something i would and mm-hmm. I, de- I wouldn't necessarily kind of like take stock of of the my relationships mm-hmm. so it was only when i got married like i'm planning this wedding that i had to really look at things in a lot more detail so i haven't i haven't had the privilege of oh wow like my same group of friends from like primary school right. i'm definitely not friends <laughs> with people from <laughs> From primary school and i think it's really tough it's tough mm-hmm. people talk about breakups forget a breakup losing a friend oh wow um, it's is incredibly tough yeah it's literally grief well to quickly share a personal anecdote in a very kind of similar vein my father-in-law passed away this summer very suddenly and very traumatically and i had a group of of girlfriends and i thought that we were all quite close we had done this this race together and you know 
something like that you kind of think okay that bonds you and also you, you know when you're talking about looking at yourself and thinking I've gone to your birthdays you've met my husband blah 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 long story short I sent that message after my father-in-law had died I sent those kind of messages out where you're a bit you know not really sure how to say this but you know just wanted to let you know that Charles's dad has passed away and you know when things like that happen you really see who will rally around you and who will be like can I bring around dinner this week when are you free or sending flowers or sending a card or you know just saying please tell Charles that we're thinking of him I sent a message into that particular whatsapp group saying you know just wanted to let you guys know um this is such a strange message to be sending but Charles's dad passed away last week and over half those girls just didn't respond at all Mm. literally read that message and never got back to me and you know what I left the group because you have to leave the you group. Have to, you, <laughs> can you imagine staying in the group being like... Um, <laughs> you have to leave the group after that. Bloody hell. Imagine next time someone's like, oh, is anyone around for a coffee? Oh, yeah, me. Don't, <laughs> don't worry about ghosting me. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, you know, it, and that wasn't, that wasn't unpainful. Do you know what mm. I mean? That was really kind of... It was, it was really hurtful. And also, it was a bit kind of embarrassing. You think, wow, I've come with a really extreme situation here. Mm. And it's WhatsApp. We're not getting charged by the character anymore. You could have said, everyone's got 3G. Everyone's connected to Wi-Fi. I'm oh, so sorry thinking of you. I'm so, so speechless because that's so counter. Mm-hmm. Like everything I am as a person. Yeah. You know, I was talking to a friend, you know, about this whole idea of like finding your tribe. Mm-hmm. And I was saying that these things are free. Checking on someone is yeah. free. If somebody loses their father in law or a loved one, I mean, it's free to like send them a message. Yeah. I'm not saying that you need to send like, you know, hundreds of bouquets to their house, but no, have some compassion. Now that's fine. Mm-hmm. That's fine. If, of course. If, if it's like, they're all the same like if that's kind of what they're about that's fine where it gets tricky is if you're somebody that is quite compassionate right Mm -hmm. so you have to sort of know yourself and what your values are and be around people who can mirror those values yes because being in a situation i mean if any of those girls girls had lost their father-in-law i know that you you would have been supportive (laughs) so it is painful and it's also emotionally draining supporting people who couldn't give a shit oh yeah and (laughs) and it's so but also it's humbling to be like you know what and i said it to a girlfriend of mine about you know and whatever over half of them didn't text back and she said something that really cracked me up and she went you know what they probably didn't have your fucking number saved like don't kid yourself yeah that your father-in-law dying wasn't the final straw they didn't care about you before that. Yeah. And you think, yeah. you know what? Sometimes you need the wake up call and it's not pleasant. But as you said, if you can go from beyond that and think, okay, who are the people that I want to align myself with? Who's checking in? And who am I wanting to check in with? And one of my friends who's a psychologist, the most beautiful soul, she always says, you know, when you spend time with her, she'll always make the time to say something really personal. Like, I feel so good after i've spent time with you hi that's who i want to spend time with absolutely i want to spend time with someone who not only makes me feel good after i've spent time with them but tells me that i've made them feel good we all deserve those relationships yeah we do deserve those relationships and i think you can only have like those genuinely reciprocal and fulfilling relationships to create that it takes you have to be very intentional mm-hmm. to create that, right? So I'm the kind of person, I meet someone, I get along with them and I'm like, oh yeah, let's hang out. Let me give this person like my time, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I've realized that like my time is like premium time. Mm-hmm. Like I'm somebody that will actually listen to you. I'm somebody that will actually support you. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. my friendship is really premium. It's golden. Oh, it's really, really golden, right? So I now have to just be a, a bit more mindful. Mm-hmm. Right, because I always have a, I always have a crash, you know. I'll yes, like yeah, give, yeah, give, yeah. and then I like go into like crash mode, and then feel quite down. Yes. So I was actually listening to this podcast called The Art of Charm. Okay, it's a really good po- podcast, guys. It's all about personal development, and it, you know, it's these two guys in LA, Hollywood Hills area, and they focus on just like helping people be the best that they can be. And they were talking about like how do you kind of like create a community or create a network with people whose values are aligned with yours. And one of the things that they were saying is that, yes, when you're working on something, you're going to have those people that are close to you that do support you. But people who are like associates of yours, 
right? Yes. They're equally as important on your journey. Mm-hmm. And so I've been really like blown away by people who, friends from like my secondary school who like support this podcast, yeah. <laughs> you know, who reach out and like share the link. So yes, you've got your immediate circle of people, but it's always good to just maintain relationships with people who might not be in your immediate circle, but definitely share your values. Yes. You know, find a way to kind of support each other and bring that positive energy to each other's lives as well. And I do think as well, everyone is busy and everyone has a million and one things going on. And it, it would be unrealistic to be like, and I sat at my bureau and I wrote six letters today, just letting some of my nearest and dearest know what I'm up to. But I do think equally, as you mentioned about things being free, a message saying, I am up the walls at the moment but I just wanted to let you know I'm thinking of you hopefully things will calm down soon would love to to meet up one thing that when you talk about setting those intentions that I've been trying to do recently and I've done it with a couple of friends when we say that thing of let's grab coffee soon or let's do lunch I've said you know what are you free next Wednesday because I could talk about this for the next six months and I actually do want to have coffee with you. Are you free? Can we get something in the diary? And once it's in the diary, you know that the chances are it's not going to change. And one of my friends said something interesting recently. It's easier to amend an appointment than it is to get something in the diary in the first place. If yeah. you and I are meeting for lunch next week and suddenly on Wednesday, I'm like, I really can't do it. I'm so busy. But will Friday or next Monday suit you and said, that's going to be easier for us to schedule than what does October look like? Yeah, and I know we, well, you've mentioned that we have listeners from all over the world, over the world, but in London, it is so difficult. You've got to book with people like one month in advance, mm. you know, to get to spend time with people. But I think, you know, for me, now that I'm in this place where, you know, I am able to like set boundaries, I'm able to have people in my life who I have reciprocal relationships with, I feel so much better. This has helped my mental health. Mm-hmm. I feel like way less drained. Yeah. And also you feel... And in a position to kind of support people and do the things I need to do. You feel, I mean, it's such a Dr. Phil word, but you feel nourished. Yes. Because you can't... (laughs) You cannot bore (laughs) from an empty cup. You can't, Um, yeah. And you can't convert people. Yeah. Right? So you can't kill people with kindness. This isn't Build-A-Bear. You're not going to (laughs) be, you know... You can't. And and that's the thing that we kind of said at the beginning of this discussion, that sometimes people are going to feel when you try to reset your boundary, they're going to be saying, oh, you know, you've changed. I probably have. But part of that changing is that I want us to have a better friendship. Yeah. I want us to have something that we don't just sit and bitch and moan. I want us to be elevating one another. I want it to be a wholesome experience when we spend time with each other. If what you wanted was for me to be the person that you vent to and then go home for the evening, <laughs> you know, the the words how are you don't have to leave your mouth. Then yeah, probably I have changed for the worse as far as you're concerned. But you know people... I'm so grateful for change. Yeah. And it's not always comfortable, but that doesn't mean it's not necessary absolutely so do you have any other tips on on how people can find their tribe i think it is and get out of sort of uh toxic dead end one-way relationships first step is recognition baby yeah you you won't be able to do anything before you get to that point but i also think it's trial and error yeah you know and you kind of almost have to set the intention early if you're a people pleaser you got to try not to be. And I know that's so easy to say. I mean, I am someone, when we're talking about mental health, I have huge anxiety. And one of the things that I've spoken about ad nauseum with more than one therapist is that the idea of being liked by everyone will actually keep me awake at night. Really? And it is not sustainable. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, I, I'm not saying, and now I'm cured because yeah. no, but this is I a, We need to go a bit, a bit deeper on that because when you talk about sort of recognition and sort of realizing this need to be liked also usually it's a response to trauma from my research i'm not a me- uh, you know uh, a doctor Psychiatry. yeah i'm not a psychiatrist or anything but i was reading about this because i haven't i have a need to be liked mm. i don't know if it's a need to be liked but i know that i get my sense of value from feeling like i'm contributing right right, right? And so I'm always, when I'm helping people out and like fixing things, 
for people that's when I'm feeling like the best about myself but can I ask when you're talking about that feeling of contributing does it matter if you're getting recognition for that contribution or is it enough for you to say I know I'm helping so I can go for like I mentioned this friend I had I can go for 10 years right without like being recognized Mm -hmm. so I can go for like a long time without like being recognized but eventually i'm gonna snap right and when i do and once the, rose the shop tinted, is closed yeah 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 i was like, gonna say it's, it's you can't done. put the rose tinted glasses yeah back so on. i'm not i'm not doing it for an immediate i'm not transactional yeah, yeah right yeah. if i can look and say wow i hang out with this person but like it's not reciprocal mm-hmm. once that kicks in i mean 10 years obviously extreme example but when it does kick in i'll be done right right but i was reading about this and you know what i was reading was that like perfectionism people pleasing you know all of these things can be responses to trauma Mm -hmm. so it's just how you have coped and sort of maneuvered you know from when you were a child yeah in a response to your environment yes no of course i i don't know i think that i was you know i have a form of anxiety or kind of a spin-off of anxiety that also falls a little bit within ocd called dermatillomania Mm. which is compulsive skin picking and i've had that for a long time i pretty much have it under control now but compulsive skin picking is not particularly pretty because you're you're literally tearing your own skin apart I was very insecure off the back of that. It came from, I guess, on a very subconscious level, but something I've only been able to explore more in recent years about kind of wanting to be perfect skin, you know, this whole kind of social Mm. media image. Actually, not even social media at the time because I was... Yeah, but society. (laughs) (laughs) But society, Um, obviously, as a woman perfect skin looking perfect exactly being perfect, yeah exactly. presenting yourself perfectly you know yeah absolutely bald from the eyebrows down kind of thing <laughs> and so that kind of skin picking then being embarrassed about the scabs and scars that I would have created on my skin trying to cover that up with makeup da, 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 a kind of a vicious cycle and then being in social situations where I'd be so insecure about knowing that I was wearing makeup, but knowing I was wearing makeup to cover those scabs or whatever, made me just incredibly self-conscious. And it created this thing where I knew that people would be laughing at me because of it. And I couldn't pinpoint one particular thing. But it did become this thing of being like, you know what, I'm going to be funny. You know that kind of joke where it's you can spot people who were ugly in their teens because they're funny or they have a good personality. Oh, is that why you're so funny? That is, oh my God, it's why I'm so funny because I was wow. so ugly. No. <laughs> no, but that's, I mean, are you being serious? I, I You're saying I, you developed a sense of humour to kind to, of distract, in a response, yes, yeah, exactly. all of this going like on behind the scenes. jazz hands. Yeah. And that's not to say that people who have been attractive their whole lives can't ever be funny or, you know, Mm. hold a good conversation. But when you are insecure about one thing, I think certainly it can make you start to be the old Hugh Jackman of the group. (laughs) And I actually have said this, I remember saying it to one of my therapists about, you know, I just feel like I'm constantly thinking about do people like me and again this is probably where my my wonderful psychologist friend takes the time to be like I really enjoy spending time with you every time Mm. we see each other but I said it to my therapist and I said you know I'm constantly thinking about what were my interactions like today did everyone go away with a positive thought about who I am and, and what I'm like and I remember her saying what would it mean to you if I said I like you and I enjoy your company and I was, I was like, not a lot, Barbara. I pay you at the end of this session. So <laughs> I'm not sure how seriously I can take that. But having that conversation was a wake-up call that relationships don't, you know, and that was a long road, but relationships don't need to be transactional in that sense. Or if they are transactional, it's on a macro level. You don't need to have made everyone laugh until they cry every time they see you. Or you don't need to be the shoulder for everyone to cry on every time that they see you yes exactly so why do I feel that I need to be a shoulder to cry on or Mm -hmm. I need to be so supportive you know so that's something that I'm that's the journey that I'm on I mean the people that you're seeking out that are happy to have you as a shoulder for them to cry on do you know what I mean but have no curiosity about necessarily what's going on for you well thank god they've been kicked to the curb (laughs) (laughs) 
I'm so grateful that they have been kicked to the curb. But it's very like it's not an easy process, no. right? But definitely I had to sort of like look at things and I'm, you know, not trying to like hype up my boo again, right? But Do I it. feel that if I hadn't met my boo, who is very like honest, you know, frank, sincere he's a person. Very pragmatic person. And he's a very pragmatic yeah. person, right? And so let's say that, you know, if I, it's a Saturday, three things going on with like three of my inverted commas friends, right? I would be on one side of London and I pop mm-hmm. into BB's. Then I'm going to be like, oh, I've got to go. I've got to pop into this person's thing. And I was always like overextending myself. Uber. Yeah, I was getting an Uber, overextending myself. And, you know, and he was like, why? Mm-hmm. And also that that your situation but people wouldn't do that for you like if you need to rest like you have to rest and people that care about you will understand if you can't do that for them but i would feel if i can't do this for this person if i can't be there for for this person then you know am i am i less valuable like three strikes and you're out it would and i don't think it was something that was self-conscious i was not thinking about it like Mm -hmm. i would not be thinking about it at all like why am i doing this but now I'm trying to kind of sort of understand like, but why do I feel that I need to be so open and so like nice and so like supportive in relationships where I'm not receiving the same? At least with you, you're at a point where you can say, oh, I have this anxiety Mm -hmm. and this behavior is kind of born out of anxiety. Yes, no, (laughs) for sure. But this is, I think it's the the journalist um, and the writer Sally Hughes who said it, but I will clarify that. And if I'm wrong, I'll, I'll amend it in the notes. She talks a lot about estranged families and separating yourselves from those kind of toxic relationships. There's a really interesting kind of long read that she wrote. I'll try and include the link in it in the the episode two roundups. But basically what she says at the end of this piece is that a lot of people need absolution when it comes to a toxic relationship or a toxic friendship or toxic interaction whatever with a particular individual they need absolution from someone that they perceive to be omnipotent almost you know you have permission to walk away from this you have permission to sever ties and that is not the case you can choose to walk away from it at any time but if you do need permission I give it to you Mm. and I just thought that that was so kind of profound and obviously I am appropriating that for a somewhat difficult relationship topic here in terms of friendships that lack reciprocity but it does still have an application you think you know what no but it does it's it's highly relevant you know it's not easy and one of the reasons one of the things that makes it difficult for people to walk away from toxic friends or family I think for me where I've struggled if I use myself as an example where I've struggled to walk away from like relationship that wasn't good for me is partly because you're, you're not comfortable with being the bad guy mm-hmm. right and yeah. you're kind of selfish in a sense of you don't want to be the bad guy you don't want to have this really uncomfortable conversation mm-hmm. and so i had to be comfortable to? with being the bad guy and to say you know what this is i'm walking away yeah i know this is going to impact me socially because there is a wider group of people involved right i know that now yes. that i'm going to walk away it's like a bit of a public kind of break up with this friend because it's like a core network like mm-hmm. a core one of my core groups and if anyone questions me about it i'm okay to be a bad guy yeah i'm and not gonna give until i die i'm not gonna like cut off my right hand Do you know yeah. what i mean so and you've got to be comfortable with having those difficult conversations and be comfortable with being the bad guy sometimes people can't walk away because it's tough you don't yeah. you know to say oh yeah i'm not speaking to phoebe anymore yes i mean I what are people say, gonna think i would and this is this is a, especially if you want people to like you, you. Want everyone <laughs> on earth to like you um but also one of those things where in a situation like that and it's not a positive thing to say about myself i would literally rather ghost someone than be like actually i've noticed that there is I such a low people. i know you but do you know what that's this is super interesting to me it. i can't ghost people mm. but like people really ghost people so yes. that discomfort i guess is like then people just ghost them I well I don't know I've not been in I mean I certainly have ghosted people don't know if there's any so how do you ghost people I just can't respond so you've had a friend no 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 I'm not I was gonna say ever again I was gonna say it's certainly more kind of people I've dated as opposed to friends okay I I've been fortunate I guess that 
I've never had a huge friend breakup in so dramatic a situation. I don't know. I'm I'm trying to think. Obviously, the fact that nothing springs to mind means that I certainly <laughs> almost definitely haven't. Someone, oh, you've someone, repressed it. I've repressed you've it. Buried absolutely, it. Absolutely stamp that <laughs> down. Like, I can't relate it. to you. My friendships I, I are would perfect. Never personally. <laughs> I don't think so. If I've ghosted you and you're, we were friends, like, please get in touch. Let me know. <laughs> no, but that sort of inability to deal, like have that uncomfortable conversation, you know, people do, you know, people Absolutely. ghost people and, and stuff like that. It comes back to being a people pleaser. Yeah, it You does. would rather sever the lines of communication altogether than say, I don't want to do this anymore. You suck. And yeah, you aren't a, a good friend to me. And I feel like I'm a good friend to you. But what I, I do have a rule now, so I'll definitely, you know, if I if I if I feel a friendship is valuable, like I will say this is how I, I feel, right? Mm-hmm. And so I did have a, a situation a few weeks ago where I was like, you know what, this is how I feel and if the person doesn't like change or at least an acknowledgement of like my feelings. Yeah. You know, I'm deaf. That's when it's like it's a wrap. I wouldn't call it ghosting, but it's like that's when you do draw a line in the sand. Yeah. Because course. there's no point. Well, what do you, you know what I mean? Or There's, do some people feel like I've seen Phoebe? She's trash. She's a trash friend, <laughs> and I've you know, and I'm just not going to speak to her mm, <laughs> anymore. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing as well. It again, circling back to what I said earlier on. If you are listening to this and you're thinking, "Wow, that really resonates with me," but you are looking at yourself saying but you know what I actually that time I didn't respond to that text or that time I didn't do this you don't need to be on this absolute pedestal in order to feel as though okay some of these relationships are not reciprocal some of these are not healthy for me to maintain and I think sometimes if you are a born people pleaser and if you are tying yourself up in knots to make other people happy you will say I don't have a leg to stand on because there was that time that I didn't do x or I wasn't able to make their birthday dinner or whatever try and be kinder to yourself try and think of yourself in broader strokes than that I mean realistically if you're listening to this and thinking some of that really resonates you are almost definitely not the person who is take, take, take because the person who is take, take, take is going to be like, oh, who are these people? <laughs> yeah, Boring. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, that, that that's so true. And I and I think that, you know, I have people pleasing tendencies, but it's not like if people don't like me socially, like I'm not too fussed. Mm-hmm. I'm not fussed to the point where I'm going to change my behavior for people to like me. Right. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So if somebody's like, oh, she's too into politics, she's too this, she's too that. Do one. Yeah, you know, You're never but gonna... I have, I do have friends where I see them people please to the point where I feel it takes away from themselves. Like mm-hmm. I feel it's a, it's become a drain, right. and they could sort of take all of that energy and kind of put it into themselves, into themselves. So yeah. I think the point you've made about being kinder to yourself is such a critical one. Yeah, and of course, you know, I've said I'm very lucky that my core group of friends are people that I've been friends with for quite a long time however there can be this kind of push on well if you're not friends with the person that was your next door neighbor when you were three you must be a bad person and it is literally never too late to build your tribe your tribe might be people you met six months ago and you might just meet them and you might click and you might be all encouraging one another in your careers or in your personal kind of achievements or Mm. aspirations and that is very much so what we're trying to say here you know off the back of releasing this podcast we have been really surprised by people who are in our maybe peripheral tribe Mm. because they are actually so interested in shouting out people that they don't see or speak to every day or even every year but they're still going to say I recognize that you tried to do something you're out of your comfort zone and I want to elevate that Mm. also I I do do think there is a difference between your friends and your tribe yeah so that's interesting your friends sort of I mean for me if I if I uh, use myself as a study or an example (laughs) my friends people that I can make banter with and like sort of have jokes with and kind of sort of spend my idle time with and I'm really having fun and I'm enjoying their company and that's super cool but when I think about like the the concept of having a tribe specifically like you could be somebody 
that you know yeah we haven't spoken in a long time but like you Mm -hmm. reach out to me and you know that I'm happy to sort of give my time and help you with this yes so for me when I think about tribe I think it's people who are helping me move forward helping me grow right so not just like kind of sustaining my position and just doing the things that I normally do but people who are willing to kind of share that piece of advice with me that's going to help me grow right so like cheerleading is really cool but we all need somebody who's going to be like objective and kind of tell you you know what you are messing up you can do better Mm -hmm. yeah maybe you shouldn't like just drink from like thursday to like monday like (laughs) work out more like eat a lettuce you know like do something you know with you need to get a suit yeah those things those things for me i feel are really important right people that are contributing to like your personal growth Mm -hmm. and broadening your perspective that's what i think a tribe is right and don't necessarily have any vested interest in that no benefit from you getting further in your career but i recognize that you deserve to get further in your career so how can i help you do that yeah i'll give a really good example right so i went to a wedding last summer so one of my friends got married they had a really lovely wedding in surrey and this friend of mine we did our first internship together so like 10 years ago, we did an internship together. And then one of the girls that came to this wedding, she was on our internship program and like us three were hanging out. And I hadn't seen her mm. since we finished our internship. Right. And so she was like, hey, what are you up to? How are things? I said, oh, you know, things are cool. I'm interested in doing my MBA. And she's like, oh, wow, I've done my MBA and I got into London Business School. I can give you my books if you want right and I was like oh my god wow so then I think we changed numbers then we didn't have each other's numbers may you know cracked up like all the way like to London we were all on the train together so she brought her books to my house and like I made her breakfast to say thank you yeah right and that's somebody that's in my tribe like if she Mm -hmm. ever reaches out to me for anything like I've got her back I was so touched by that I have a lot of friends I've got loads of friends who've done their MBA right and i've expressed an interest in doing my mba and mm-hmm. they're like good for you <laughs> where are the books <laughs> where are my books yeah and they're they're friends they're friends of yeah, mine we hang out we have a good time i value their friendship no, but in terms of, of like w- me being aligned i'm so aligned with this person that reached out to me and said i'm i can give you my books because that's the kind of thing i would do yes right yeah, yeah so yeah. you know i can't blame the person that's like oh good for you mm-hmm. because it's just that's just how that's they support are in a different way well that's but... not supportive they're good for you not supportive <laughs> but they might support you in different ways right yes so when i think about like tribe i think about you're thinking about doing something different you've never done it before they have like a piece of knowledge and they're willing to share it with you yes right yeah they're yeah, willing yeah. to just take out an hour for you mm-hmm. right and maybe they'll even propose to do it for you i didn't ask her yes yeah for anything i wouldn't have even known what to ask no right? of course and what she really opened say, she really broadened my perspective and like opened my mind let me cast an eye over that send that to me before you want to send it on to yeah. whatever the editors or your boss or whatever yeah a tribe and, takes you outside of your comfort zone mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and they're not as you said they're not going to be people that you speak to all the time they're not necessarily going to be the same as your friends if you're lucky maybe there's some crossover some crossover there it's <laughs> yeah. like a little venn diagram um <laughs> but it, it might not be and when we're talking about this you know what skill set do you have that you can bring to the table actually speaking of being in someone's tribe and out and phoebe's in my tribe i have another tribe story you're in my tribe i hope i'm in your tribe you well (laughs) actually you're in the venn diagram but tell me (laughs) yes you're my friend and for a forward slash tribe member so like just sort of even coming to me and saying oh jules would you do the podcast with me yeah i was so overwhelmed by that and i was like oh wow she knows this is something that i'm interested in doing she's interested in doing it too and she's like oh let's work on this together not only that you actually do a lot of work for the podcast (laughs) no (laughs) and i've been telling everyone i'm like oh my god it's so refreshing to work (laughs) with phoebe (laughs) so i was doing some career coaching i had my last session and i was talking about my podcast and then she sent me the notes and she and she wrote you were talking about how amazing it is to work with Aww, Phoebe. Um, that's so kind. On the podcast, Thank yes, because you. yes, you can definitely work, have a project, but like to work on something with someone where they're equally as invested as you are yeah. and they just broaden your perspective again. Like you've already taught me so much but that's in this really process. Interesting because I think with you, I'm always wanting to be on my A game mm. because 
you are someone that I absolutely perceive as being on it. And I'm pretty on it. You are pretty on it. <laughs> but also, you know, someone who's who's a good friend and a good member of your tribe will inspire you mm. to work hard on something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, they inspire greatness because you're thinking, you know what, I want to be... I mean, there's no way of sounding saying this without it sounding negative, and I don't mean it to, but you're thinking, I want to be on their level. And obviously, you're on their level because they enjoy spending time with you anyway, but I don't want to be the dead weight, you know? And that's how good people will make you feel. They'll make you feel inspired. They'll make you feel like you want to try harder. And, and that's, make, that's amazing. You wouldn't want to be around that. Yeah, that's amazing. Like... And it, I feel it's really, really important for all of us. Like life is so tough. It's really important to kind of seek out that inspiration, you know, and if you if you have people around you that just don't give you that feeling, like Phoebe said, it's never too late to like find your tribe mm-hmm. of people who can kind of give you that that reciprocity. Reach out to us on Instagram. Yes. And share like your story. We like... would love to hear your anecdotes and also, you know, your tips for navigating that. But I do feel like that's a really strong point to, to end on. One thing that I did want to say, we did have some people reach out to us with questions around kind of themes that they'd like us to discuss and themes that we discussed in the last episode. And we will be getting to them. We wanted to devote a proper chunk of time to them. Um, we're going to explore those in more detail moving forward. But for the rest of you guys, if you do have any topics that you would like us to to delve into or kind of questions or stuff that you would like us to flesh out a bit more, please do get in touch. As Jules said, you can do that on the Instagram or the link to our email is actually included in the Instagram as well. It's at Jules Phoebe. So that's J-U-L-E-S and then Phoebe is P-H-O-E-B-E. But thank you again so much for listening and really looking forward to to hearing what you think of this episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye.